I know we've been hearing a lot about this. Obviously, if you're a sports fan, it's shut down the entire industry. Uh, it was just brought to my attention that another athlete, and it's not just about athletes, but on this show, we are a sports podcast. So when an athlete does catch something, we tend to bring that up. And Jim Edmonds has uh, tested positive for the coronavirus, so we want we want to wish him the best of luck, and also want to thank. First of all, let's thank the first responders out there and the essential people that are really working hard to make sure that we can all be safe and heals the ones that right now are catching this illness. I'm talking about the doctors, the nurses, the CNAs, the paramedics. The people that are working in some of these uh, stores like Walmart, making sure the place is stocked up so you can get enough food to eat at home. You know, I really, really, really want to take a moment to thank them, as well as all these sports teams that are really, really giving back to the community. Reading a couple stories, uh, the New England Patriots sent their jet over to China to bring back just a bunch of masks so that people in the medical field and other people can wear those. Just just Robert Kraft, just, just great. And then you got, you know, Jeff Finnick of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning just doing so much in the community. And I just found out, you know, yesterday the Tampa Bay Rays and Stu Steinberg uh, giving away over 2 million meals to help people that are hungry and suffering this time, uh, during this time. Just a great show by everyone sticking together and really helping each other out. Now, one of the first people, especially in the NFL, that was known to catch COVID-19 was New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton. Well... Jay Glazer of Fox Television had a chance to catch up with him yesterday and see how he's doing. Joining me now is the first person in the NFL that we knew that was directly affected by the coronavirus. That is the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton, joining us now remotely. Sean, how are you, buddy? Good, Jay. How are you? Good. How are you feeling? I'm fine. I'm two, two and a half, a little bit just under two and a half weeks. Um, two weeks yesterday, I guess. I was cleared five days ago. Um, I'm feeling good. I was fortunate. I, I just had my initial symptoms were 
a light, a low grade fever and some chills for two or three days. And then, uh, I began feeling better each, each and every day after that. I never had any of the breathing or respiratory issues. I know also your Skyline also is there with you. She also got sick. Is she good? She's out of the woods now also. Yeah. Both, both of us, both of us cleared, uh, four and six days ago, actually. And, and so, uh, Look, we're fortunate. We've been staying in, obviously. We got a workout in. Uh, yesterday we ran three miles. Um, you know, I think everyone's stir crazy. Unfortunately, the appetite didn't disappear with this <laughs> with this virus. So what do the doctors tell you moving forward um, now that you've had it? Well, essentially this, look, what they, they, they don't, they know that you can't give it now. In other words, uh, we're far enough out removed from when we had symptoms. We're, we followed every CDC guideline, which was, you know, four days fever free and then a week since our last symptoms. And we're going on two weeks now. So we're well past that. And there's a chance that um, with patients that have recovered from this virus, that they may be able to use our blood uh either through transfusion or through some plasma technique where it, it, it could possibly help uh, those that are currently recovering. And so we'll get tested again relative to what shows up in your blood because they, you know, they feel like with, with, with 95% of the people that, that get this virus, most are recovering just fine. Uh, and there's a chance that that hopefully can benefit those that are, uh, that are struggling. That was Jay Glazer with uh, Sean Payton, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, who had tested positive a couple of weeks ago to the COVID-19 virus. Was so, so glad to hear that he's doing much better. In other not-so-positive news, it was just broke out to us. We have breaking news that Long-time White Sox radio voice, Ed Farmer, has passed away at the age of 70. He will be surely missed. We'll be back right after this message. My motivational tip of the day, it's all about this. Seek knowledge. That's right. Pursue knowledge related to what you're trying to chase, your dreams and goals. Get as much knowledge as you can. Read, observe, talk to people, communicate. Find out as much as you can. Yes, that preparation will get you ready to attack whatever goal you're trying to attack. So knowledge is vital. It's important. When you have knowledge, it gives you unbelievable power to feel good about yourself, to have confidence, that good self-esteem. You want that attitude. It's all about that mental attitude and trying to get ahead. And it all starts by getting as much knowledge that you possibly can get and pursuing the goal and dream you're chasing. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that during this difficult time that we are facing in this world today, that there are a lot of mom and pop restaurants out there who right now, because of the coronavirus, are just trying to hang in there to make a living. Some of them are closing. Some of them are having to have major layoffs to their employees, and they need your help. 
We ask that you look for one of these mom and pop restaurants that are either carry out a delivery and let's do everything in our power to maybe go over there and place an order. I know I talk about sports bars a lot because that's where I go. And a lot of the sports bars obviously are suffering without dining and they're also suffering without sports. So if you can just place a carry out or delivery order for a hamburger or some delicious wings, whatever it might be, you can be the difference between this restaurant staying open or having to close their doors. So your support would be greatly appreciated. Now, as we get into our next segment, I want to remind you that shortly, Ryan Kardock, the former USF basketball player and James Madison University assistant coach, will be joining us to talk a little bit about some basketball. So we want to remind you about that. Um, we also are going to be talking a little bit later in the show about uh, the New York Jets. I got a message from a New York, New York Jets fan that wants to talk a little bit about um, the New York Jets. So we'll definitely do that as well. We will definitely talk some football. Um, going to uh, basketball... Um, the Arkansas Razorbacks basketball team had some real big news yesterday. So you Razorback fans here, Wu-Pig Suey uh, here in the Fayetteville area, former New Mexico guard Vance Jackson committed to the Razorbacks yesterday, and he will be immediately eligible as a graduate transfer. Now, last season, he paid... Played for the Lobos. He averaged 11.1 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 1.3 assists per game. Now, this is a big guy. He's 6'9", 225, uh, 220 pounds. And uh, he's a very versatile player who can contribute at both ends. Um, I think uh, he shot 34.2% beyond the arc last season. So now with Mason Jones possibly gone, we don't know what's going on with Isaiah Joe, but now we got uh, Vance Jackson coming over. You know, the Razorbacks are a team to be reckoned with next year in, you know, the SEC West. So watch out, baby. They're going to be good. I'm looking forward to that season. Now, last year... My good old friend and buddy, Bruce Pearl, uh, the head coach of the Auburn Tigers, had an incredible year. Uh, they lost in the Final Four on what was just one crazy heck of a game where there was a foul at the end. That was a foul, and if you ask Bruce, you know, I've known Bruce now for 40 years, and, you know, I wanted to play a little tribute to my buddy Bruce before we go on to our next step. And, you know, this is supposed to be, once again, the exciting week, the final four uh, where these teams play. And if you remember this game last year, Kentucky and Auburn, you'll hear Bruce talking to his team 
in the beginning. It's a little video that he tweeted me, and then you'll hear some play-by-play. -play. So let's go to the tape. to identify themselves. We're going to uh, have a special guest. Ryan Cardock will be joining us. We'll be right back after this break. 
Let me say this often. I believe in it so much. The late, great John Wooden, the Wizard of Westwood, outstanding superstar, Hall of Fame coach at UCLA, won 10 national championships. And I love that statement. I've told you this before. He said, make every day a masterpiece. That's right. Treat the day so special. Be the best you can be. Have a plan. Make that day so unique and special. Can you imagine if you do that every day, a masterpiece every day, what your life will become? Yes, I think it'd be special, baby. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. I'm your host, Larry Frank. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, anything you'd like to talk about, you can reach me at LarryFrank528 at gmail.com or go to our Twitter account at LarryFrankis with the U.S. at the end. We also have a Facebook page, Frankly Speaking, or at the end of this podcast, there'll be a message link where you can actually leave a voice message. Um, I'm very, very happy to introduce our next guest to you. We are going to be joined by former USF basketball player, and James Madison University assistant coach Ryan Carduck. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Larry. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, I want to talk a little bit about your early career, if I may. I know you started out in junior college playing basketball at Broward Community College. Uh, then you went on to big-time Big East basketball. H- how was that transition for you? You know, it's interesting you ask that because I think it's two different worlds. And I love junior college basketball. I was actually out um, a couple weeks ago recruiting some really good junior college players. And at the junior college level, it's very fast-paced. It's up-tempo. They're really flying the ball up the court. And there's really a lot of good guards, to be honest with you. Like when I went a couple weeks ago down to one of the um, Florida junior college tournaments, You'd have teams where you got five Division One players, and you know that's what we had actually when I played at Broward. We had four Division One players on our team, um, and so there's there's really good players. But the difference between JUCO and in the Big East is the physicality. That's one of the biggest things. The guys are just huge at that level, especially when I was in that Big East. You know, you got teams like UConn and Louisville and Syracuse. And those guys are just really big. I remember playing against the Syracuse zone, and I was always seeing it on TV when I grew up. And when I was actually out there on the court, I was just amazed at the size. I remember one time we were playing against UConn, and it was one of my first Big East games. And, you know, as a walk-on, I didn't play a ton. But uh, this particular game, I was out there in the first half, and I was driving from the three-point line, and I got to about the free-throw line, and Hashim Kabik was standing underneath the rim. And I literally was going to shoot a pull-up jump shot. I realized, wait a second, I'm not sure I can get this shot off with this guy in, you know, seven foot five or whatever he was standing underneath the rim with his arms being so long, I felt like he could contest my shot. So I think that, you know, those were some of the biggest things. And then also the coaching. You know, and junior college coaches are really good. There's a lot of really good junior college coaches around the country. But when you look at that Big East Conference, Man, it was amazing how good his coaches were in there. You had Bayheim, you had Patino, you had Jim Calhoun, um, you know, Cincinnati, West Virginia's in there. 
uh, Villanova with Jay Wright. So I think that, you know, the coaching was a huge thing. It was, it was amazing how good the coaches were in that league. We're speaking with uh, former USF basketball player and James Madison University assistant basketball coach uh, Ryan Coddock. Ryan, when you went to walk on at USF, did you ever envision, I mean, obviously you walk, you tried out to make the team, but did you, in reality, did you ever envision yourself making the USF basketball team? You know, it, it's funny because when I was at my junior college, especially my freshman year, I was playing well. I had, uh, you know, some Division One interest and offers. And, um, you know, my sophomore year, I just didn't play as well. I had a few injuries, hurt my foot, uh, broke my ankle, and I just I, I didn't play as well, to be honest with you. And so after my sophomore season was over, I had only Division Two offers, and I really always wanted to play Division One. And looking back, you know, I think obviously Division Two is a great level, and a lot of the guards at the Division Two level are, can probably play at the Division One level. Um, so I wanted to go somewhere where I thought I could play Division One basketball. So I just chose USF. It wasn't too far from me. It was about four hours from me. Obviously, I knew they were in the Big East, a really good conference. So I literally just said to myself, I'm going to go talk to the coaches, and I'm going to you know, explain to them who I am, so then I'm going to go try and make the team. And so I went out to a tryout, and it had you know, dozens of guys out there. And at that moment, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this team. How can I stand out amongst all these people? And, you know, thankfully, one of the best parts of my game was I just tried to play really hard dive on loose balls, take charges, and things like that. And I think that really helped me stand out in that tryout. And, man, I, you know, they put me on the practice team for a couple days, and then they saw, okay, this guy can play, you know, with our players. Maybe he's not one of the best guys, but he's going to compete. And so, you know, they put me on the team a couple days later, and I was so fortunate because it was such a wonderful experience being a part of that team for two years. Yeah, you know, the coaches that have had you, that have coached you, have said, you know, the hard work, intensity, just the way you play the game out there is just incredible. And, you know, you mentioned earlier you did not play a lot with USF, but, you know, there was a couple moments there where you made the most of your time. I remember versus Providence, obviously, the big steal. And then tell me about this. Three-point shot, you know, you can't just do it easy. You got to make, you know, make it big time. You hit a three-pointer versus UCF for your first points of your Big East career. Tell me about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was an amazing three for me. Uh, you know, UCF was always a rival of ours. So when we played them, it was a game that we would really circle on the schedule because, it, you know, it was an hour away from us. And we really wanted to beat them all the time. So that game, I happened to play a decent amount. And uh, I was open in the corner one time. And I remember it was Chris Howard. He drove it. He kicked it to me in the corner. And I was fortunate enough to knock it down. And, you know, it's funny because as a walk-on, you know, you might only make, if you were playing 10 minutes a game, which I did, you might only make 10 or 15 threes in the season, right? Whereas you have a scholarship player who's a really good shooter, might make 100 threes in the season. And so for, for me, as a walk-on, each three is so meaningful, and, it, and it's such a good feeling. And obviously, you know, we won that game too. So having been a part of playing in a game that I was able to hit a three and then also win, it was a great experience. I loved it.
So your career at USF ends. I know you went on to Bowling Green as director of basketball operations. Uh, then you met, uh, I know, Lewis Rowe while you were there. Uh, became assistant uh, coach at JMU. When, was there a point, whether you were playing basketball, or was it after you played your college career that you said, I want to get into coaching? Well, you know, while I was playing, I was always really intrigued by the X's and O's and the strategy of things. And so I think that while I was playing, um, you know, I really considered being a coach. And there was a guy by the name of Damon Arnett that many people probably don't know that name at all, but he was a player at FAU, and he was a really good player there, and he kind of was the guy who trained me growing up. And just the way he worked with me and helped me develop and just taught me and, and empathized, and, you know, he was hard on me at times, but he was also caring and loving, and he really made me actually, you know, want to coach to some degree. And so... Then I went on, and I wanted to give it a chance as a GA. So actually, I did a, a graduate assistant coach at the University of Miami under Coach Larinaga. And I did that for two years. And just watching him coach, obviously, he was the Naismith Coach of the Year. He's been to a Final Four. He's been to two Sweet 16. And just watching him and observing him really kind of made me fall in love with coaching. And it was almost like, all right, I want to go to Miami and see how it is, this whole coaching thing. But then once I went through that, man, I loved it. Working with those players and, and player development and being able to observe some of the coaches that were there, that's when I really fell in love with it. I knew that I wanted to coach. So Lewis Rowe goes over to JMU, hires you as an assistant coach. Now, obviously, this year was not the type of year that you all expected. It had a very tough year. Lewis was let go. And as an assistant coach, or coach in general, what does a season like this, A, teach you, and can it help you in your future coaching? Absolutely, it can help us all going forward. And I think it will help the players, too. Because going through adversity like that is very difficult. And it's not easy for the players or the coaches. And so for me, one of the biggest things that I learned is I think you have to make sure you're consistent in your identity as a team. If you watch the really good teams, right, if you watch the Syracuse of the world, you watch Virginia, they know what they are. Their players know what they are. Their coaches know what they are. Virginia is going to be a pack line defensive team for 40 minutes a game, and if you can beat them and you're better than them on that night, then so be it. And the same thing with Syracuse. They're going to play a 2-3 zone, and they're going to stick with it, and Bayhan has been doing it for 40 years. And so I think that, you know, we started off one way in the beginning of the year. And we had uh, a certain style we wanted to play. It was more of like an up-tempo style. And then also on defensive side, we did some certain things as far as ball spring coverage. Um, after about, we started 7-4 and four in our non-conference. And then we started kind of modifying it a little bit and, and changing it. And to be honest with you, I was one of the people who suggested that we should do that. You know, Coach Rowe, he, he's actually a really good coach. I know he was let go this year and we weren't great. I, I think he's a great coach. He's even a great, greater person. But what I think we should have really focused on is that identity part. And I think that we, we tried a bunch of different things, ball screen coverages, different style of offense, kind of going back and forth. And I think it threw us off a little bit. And so one of the biggest things I learned from the season is stay consistent. He 
know, even though, you know, you may lose a couple games here and there or you may have a rough spell, if you can stay consistent, it's going to help you because you think about this, right? Let's say there's a thousand possessions that your team plays on defense. Well, if they play 900 of those possessions the same way, opposed to playing 300 one way, 300 another way, 300 another way, and 100 another way, which one do you think they're going to get better at, right? If they play it 900 times, they're going to figure out all those small idiosyncrasies and things like that, and they're going to be much better at that style of defense. So I think identity and really kind of sticking to it was one of the big things that I learned a lot this year. We're privileged to have joining us on the Frankly Speaking Hotline, former USF player and uh, former assistant James Madison University men's basketball coach, Ryan Carter. Ryan, I know you've coached um, as an assistant coach in Miami. You've had some experience now with uh, James Madison University. Do you feel comfortable? If you were offered a head coaching job today, are you comfortable enough with the experience that you have received that uh, you're ready to go? I think so. You know, I, I think that I would definitely have a learning curve and I would not, you know, have everything down right away. But one of the things I really like to focus on is, is that base of a program, that culture. And so I think I've had a lot of experience in the places I've been and, and, and taken, you know, pride in leadership development, you know, and teaching these guys things about life and that what's going to make a good program, small things like delaying immediate gratification, you know, helping these players become the best versions of themselves. And so I also, another part of that is when I was at Miami for two years, one of our assistant coaches got the head job at Bowen Green named Michael Huger, who's a, a really great person as well. And when I went with him as the video coordinator to start, we started that program from the ground up. So I did video for one year, and then I was the director of operations, almost like Coach Huger's right-hand man, for three years. And so I understand what it takes to build a program. So to give you an idea, you know, we were okay the first and second year. We got better our third year. And then our fourth year, you know, we lost in the MAC championship um, to Buffalo, who was obviously a very good team, and we won 22 games. We beat Buffalo at home that year when they were ranked number 15th in the country. And we kind of built that program up from, from the bottom, you know. And so if you look at it, I, I've kind of done that as far as building a program. And then it continued to go on this past season. They won 20 games again. And that was the first time that Bowling Green has won 20 games for consecutive seasons since, I believe, 1949. Wow. Um, so, so I do believe I have that experience of what it takes, knowing how to build up a culture, knowing how to leadership, uh, like instill that leadership development in guys, and, and knowing how to put a program together. So, Ryan, what, what a basketball player. You get a recruit, he's coming to play for you. What is that recruiter, what is that player, if they accept the offer to come play with you, what are they getting from a philosophy and style of coaching in Coach Carduck? I think the first and most important thing is someone who really cares about them as a person before they even care about them as a player. Because I think that's what we're in it 
for in coaching, right, is that we care about these people and we help them grow up to be great young men. You know, in 10 or 20 years is really the testament of if we did a good job in coaching them, are they good fathers, are they good, uh, you know, husbands, and, and things like that. And so that's where it starts. And then secondly, you're going to have someone who really pushes them to, to another level as well. I love watching film with guys. I love player development, getting in the gym with them. But I'm not going to let them off the hook easy. I know they want to be the best that they can be, and so I'm going to push them to be that. And, and I think that there's a balance. You know, you love them off the court, but when you're on the court with them, you want to push them to their max potential. And so, you know, I, sometimes I, I speak with our guys and they, they laugh at me because when we're doing, like, conditioning drills and things like that, I tell them, you want to get in really good shape? Every time we do conditioning, push yourself until you feel like you're going to throw up. And if you feel like you're going to throw up, then you know you're pushing yourself hard enough. And if you don't, then you know you're not pushing yourself hard enough. And so things like that, you know, you, you love on them, but you also push them uh, to be the best they can be. Now – is there a certain thing as a coach, I know every coach is different, that you look for in a player before you recruit them? Absolutely, and that's a great question. I think it starts with a winner. If you can find someone who has won in high school and AAU, that's really key. You want guys that know how to win on your team. The second thing is toughness. Are they diving on the floor for loose balls? Are they playing hard? So when they come to college, that you don't have to teach that. Another part of it would be coachability. Can you coach them? Like, can they take hard coaching if you get on them? Or are they going to go into a shell? And then another part would be a good teammate, right? And the culture of a team is so important. So you really want to have great teammates. You think about this, right, Larry? As far as the culture goes, if one guy is out of line, in regards to the culture, it can bring your whole culture down. Because you think about this, that one guy has a roommate on the road. That one guy has two or three people that he's living with in an apartment, and he also is probably working out with another one or two guys at night. So there's seven people that may be on the team he can influence, and if he has a bad attitude or he's not a great teammate, he may bring the rest of the team down. And so it's very important to find guys that are good teammates. And then the last part would probably be mental toughness. If you can find guys that are mentally tough and push through adversity, it's going to be very helpful for your team. Coach, before I let you go, I have to ask you, because we're going through a time now in the U.S. that none of us have ever seen before. How weird for you, I mean, I know for us fans, but as a coach, how weird is it for you not to see March Madness going on, and I do want to put you on the spot a minute. If it was going on, who do you think would have won it? You know, it's really weird to not have it going on. I just, I miss basketball so much. I understand, you know, shutting everything down with the coronavirus, and, and you know, it's the right thing to do. But it feels like a piece of me is missing not having this NCAA tournament. I think, you know, obviously our whole lives, this is what we look forward to. And the time of the year, March is, is the best month. And um, so it's so strange not having it. And who do I think would win it all? You know, I really like Gonzaga and Dayton this year. I think both of them were just such high-powered offensive teams. And I think it would have been really hard to stop them because 
they could just score at will. And then really, I'm a defensive guy. Obviously, you saw you know Virginia win the championship last year with great defense. But those two teams were just so potent offensively that I think one of them probably would have won it. Coach, I personally want to thank you so very much for joining us today. It's definitely been my pleasure, and I wish you, uh, that pregnant wife of yours, uh, you know, much health over the next couple of months as we go through this. Thanks so much, Larry. It was great to be with you. All right. You have a great day. All right. You too. Bye. That was Ryan Carduck, uh, former James Madison University uh, assistant coach. We'll be back right after this message. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. This is your host, Larry Frank. What a great, great, great conversation with Ryan Carduck. You know, just incredible. What a great man. Uh, just incredible. Um, I want to remind you all that if you have any questions, concern, topics that you would like to speak to, you can contact us at franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. Also, we do have a link on this podcast that you can send a voice message and I will get it on our next podcast for you with whatever question it may be. We also have a Twitter account that you can follow us on. It's at Larry Frankis US at the end. So please join us. You know, we had a very, very good day. I know we were going to talk a little bit about um, Jets football today. We're going to push that back till tomorrow and answer the fans' question about how we think the Jets will do tomorrow. Um, if you have any other football questions, uh, we can talk about that tomorrow. I want to once again thank our very special guest, Ryan Carduck, for joining us on the show today. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay healthy.